0: Hey, Mark, Mm -hmm. I've been saying for years that Ping help you play your best because that is exactly what they've done for me throughout my entire career. And now I've been having a look at the new Blueprint S and T irons and, boy, they are impressive. So much so that I've got the new Blueprint S irons in my bag at the moment.
1: So what do you like about them so much? I mean, I've never seen you this excited about a golf club.
0: Well, I could go through the specs, which are exceptional, but I won't. I will say, though that if you're looking for more ball speed and if you want to lower your scores, if you want to mix and match and still look great, you should check them out because the new Blueprint S and T irons, they are definitely worth a look. Nice. Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a Ping club fitting.
2: It's week 44 of the golfing calendar. And thanks to our mates at Ping, they'll help you play your best and the golf clearance outlet who beat everyone's prices... This is the most listened to Australian golf podcast. And it's hardly surprising because these folks know what they're talking about. Former world number 16 Nick O'Hearn and 15-year tour pro Mark now, Allen. Now, 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 this yeah. is Talk Birdie to Me.
1: So, a uh, little unusual this week. We're not at Australian Golf Headquarters. I'm overlooking the mighty fourth hole. Tough hole too. Very tough. At Box Very Hill, tough. At Box Hill Golf Club. Uh, Dan's joined, uh, just so people know. And Nick O'Hearn is at one of his many, many holiday homes around the world. You are full of it. Just up there near full Cathedral. Uh, how many bedrooms has this one got, Nick? Seven? Seven bedrooms?
0: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, just a, an old, a very old uh, holiday place. Uh, yeah, just the three bedrooms, mate. It's all good.
1: Anyway, uh, on with the show. I turned the TV on Monday morning. And I saw Vajagas at the top of the leaderboard. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, that must be um, Camillo's cousin or Camillo's second brother or some other Vajagas that I've never heard of because Camillo's finished. Camillo's done. He's no longer playing anymore. I mean, you know, every time he plays, he misses the cut by 15 shots. So I'm just completely assumed that it's not him. <clears> but I'm here to say it was him, Nick. It was
0: Camilo Varejas.
1: He's made, He's he's come back from the dead.
0: Well, him and Matt Kuchar, they were both leading down the stretch. So, uh, do you know who won, though, Mark?
1: No, I've got no idea. I've been in the. Oh, I've, I've been in the garden all morning, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've,
0: I, okay. I, who won? What happened? So, Eric Van Royen, the thirty-year-old, thirty-three-year-old South African.
1: Who wears funny
0: pants. He he wears funny pants. He's got the weird uh, Gary McCord moustache. Yeah, yeah. Finished birdie birdie eagle to shoot 8 under 28 on the back nine to win.
1: He shot 28 on the back.
0: He did 28. Eight Eight under. It was
1: unbelievable. To win a US tour event, he shot 28 on the back.
0: He finished. He held a bomb on 16 from about 30 feet for birdie. Yeah. And then he holds a bomb on 17 as well from about 20 feet to tie the lead with Kucha Yeah. And Vajegas at this point was one back. So they play the par 5, 18. And then he stripes one to about 18 feet on the final hole. Yeah. Vajegas hits it to 17 feet, a foot inside him. So he's got a chance for Eagle as well, maybe to tie. Who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Kucha misses the green left, doesn't get it up and down, and Van Royen rolls in the eagle to win by two. It was unbelievable. Oh, that is unbelievable.
1: All right, I'm going to do some homework. Hopefully, Camillo's done enough there. Second place sometimes is enough, isn't it, to kind of get some kind of playing rights, yeah.
0: No, I would, I would imagine. He's been playing okay of late, but it was a very emotional win for Van Royen because when they interviewed him afterwards, him and his caddy uh, were Minnesota teammates at college, and they were both crying because they've also got another teammate at Minnesota who is uh, terminally ill with uh, melanoma cancer. So uh-huh. uh, it's all about his friend, and they were going to fly over to see him. And he just basically said, look, the, uh, the golf doesn't matter. I mean, there's much more important things in life because they are wondering why he was so calm coming yeah. down the stretch. And, and he was just able to play pretty free golf. And the other thing about Van Royen, when he started the week, he was the bubble boy. He's 125. On oh, the money list.
1: You are kidding me. So that just that just skyrocks. Would that get him to top 100 oh, inside the he's top in, 100?
0: Uh, he's, now, he's got up to, to uh, 63 now, so he might get into all these designated events as well coming up next year. Plus, he's got a two-year exemption. He's going to the Masters. Thank you
1: very much. For Unbelievable. Eight under to win a tournament and to change your life, basically. Moving forward, just incredible golf.
0: Did you see Kutcher putting, by the
1: way? No. Did you watch Matt Kutcher? No, but uh, someone told me he's going backwards with the long putter up the forearm
0: business. Is that right? So, you know how he's had the, always had the arm lock, the Kutcher method, which yeah. is what we talk about. On Goes the left up arm. The left arm. So now he's got it going up the right arm. I've never seen it before. He's the first guy to do it. He must have. And the weird thing is because if you look at the shaft angle, it's going backwards. It's setup. So he's. His his putter must have negative loft on it now, I would say. And anyway, it was fascinating to watch him putt, but he actually had a six-shot lead on the Saturday in the third round then makes a quadruple bogey to let everyone back into it, and then it was a shootout down the back nine on Sunday.
1: Well, that putter used to have 15 degrees loft on it. That's that's how much those arm lockers... Used to. Yeah, it used to. When he was a left arm locker, it would have 15 degrees. So now that he's a right arm locker and the shaft is pointing backwards... He, yes. might have, he might have changed loft on putter by 20 degrees. That's got to be a world record.
0: <laughs> it would have to be. It would have to be. And it's working. Well, yeah, but he, it, the stroke didn't look great coming down the stretch, but they were something like 25 under. But he, yeah. he finished 27 under Van Royen, but... Uh, yeah, it was an incredible uh, event for him. And our own Cameron Percy, he actually got off to a flyer. He was 10 under the first round, but then faded away to finish well back. But uh, it was a great event and very enthralling coming down the stretch. But I, I just couldn't believe this Eric Van Rooyen. He's got the moustache going, you know, yeah. the jogger pants. And he was flushing it down the stretch. <laughs> it was just brilliant.
1: And holding bombs. Hey, just on the putter. Can you remember VJ Singh what he was doing recently with the long putter? So you know normally you've got the the left hand holding the thing, sort of you know half anchoring it, and the right hand does mm. the, does the work. He was cack handed with the long putter,
0: so so yes.
1: Instead of pushing <laughs> instead of pushing the shaft as you hit the ball, he was dragging the shaft with the left hand as you hit the ball. Now you putted with a long putter for a long long time. Does that make sense in your head that that you could actually drag the shaft through and putt half decent? Because he was doing it for a long time.
0: I, I kind of get it, but there's no way in heck that I would even attempt to do that. But the thing about Vijay is he's tried so many different variations of putting. You never know what he's going to come up with. I know he's gone the, uh, the shaft up the arm a bit kuchar, but then holding it with, the, uh, with with the up his left arm, and then he's held it with his right arm. He's done a whole bunch of variations, VJ, and it's, Whatever works for him. He's still a flushing machine from T to green, though.
1: Well, uh, maybe next week we'll do the craziest putting, professional putting actions we've ever seen. If You might be able to help us with our socials. Just get in touch. Send through the nominations. Send through a couple of pitches would be even better. And next week's top five may well be the, the, the worst-looking putting techniques in the history of golf. I think that makes sense. I reckon Michelle Wee, might, Michelle Wee might sneak into that, the way she was putting there towards the end.
0: Ooh. Uh, oh. yeah, her back was uh, at a right angle to the ground, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a disaster.
1: Hey, we, we briefly touched on Live Golf and the fact that Australians of the current Order of Merit, so the Challenger Australasian Order of Merit, that five three players inside the top five at a certain point will be able to go to round one of live qualifying now you have to get through just it's just one round of golf then you get to round two once you get to round two you're going to be in there with a whole bunch of ex president's cup and Ryder cup players and players from the 150 of the universal golf rankings not the world golf rankings the universal golf rankings which is um fun to fun to look at to tell you the truth because it's so there's so there's quite a few opposites Uh, from one to the other, but that's okay. Mm. You actually play 36 holes on the third day. So Liv's they they only want to play three days no matter what, but you're going to play 36 holes on the last day to get your card. You and I floated um, whether or not the PGA Tour would then look at the players from Australia. Would they ban them? Now, it was my job to find out the answer. You were with me when I was trying to find out the answer and <laughs> nobody wanted to tell us what the story was. And, and that's okay. That's their prerogative. But I suspect after um, asking the question and being shut down reasonably quickly, I suspect that the PGA Tour won't be fond of anybody going to a tour school trying to qualify. That's my... Now, I've got... I'm only basing mm. that on... The feeling of the conversation that you, me, Ryan Lynch, uh, and a few others were there. So that's my view. Now, now you understand the PGA Tour better than most. What What do you think?
0: Well, I would have thought before they'd announced you know, this whole PIF deal, which who knows if that will ever happen. I'd say before that was announced, no, no way in hell that. Yep they would allow them to stay on the PGA Tour. But now it's anybody's guess, to be honest, because they're saying they want to come together. But now I'm hearing rumours that, no, they're going to look for – well, they are looking at other potential investors outside of the, the private investment fund. And um, if they go down that route, well, then they won't be in with the Saudis at all. So if that happens, well, then PGA Tour plays – I think, again, they're all just a bit left in limbo because no one really knows. I don't think there's been any rules or regulations set up at the moment for that because okay. it's just such a new thing. They're not even calling it a Q-School. I think they're calling it the Live Promotions event or something like that.
1: Yeah, okay. So you and I both know and the world knows that Live won't get world ranking points, um, so we know that. The, all, the, the, the only reason they wanted world ranking points was that so some of their players, some more of their players would be able to play in the majors. Correct. We spoke about this last week. It would have been really, really easy for the four majors to put aside three or four spots for live players. So that would be easy to do. The top three players on live golf at this point of the year who aren't already exempt into majors will take you three. That would have been easy to do. That doesn't look like it's forthcoming. In fact, it's not going to
0: come. No, I saw the Masters the other day and I think the R&A the other day also mentioned that uh, for next year, the uh, qualifying and the regulations are standing. The Masters came out and said, yeah, we're pretty flexible, obviously. We're looking at various things that may happen along the way, but it doesn't seem that way. And, and you're right about the world rankings. And to be honest, the only, thing, the only reason the world rankings exists is for the majors. Correct. Because that determines who gets into them. Yep. Other than that, no one's really that fussed about what a world ranking means unless it's part of your contract. If you're top 10 or you're top 50 or something like that, you might get a bonus from your manufacturer that you're contracted to. But whether you're ranked 150 in the world or 360 doesn't really matter other than the top 50 that get in the majors. So um, if, uh, you know, if, if things go along where the majors do then start giving spots to, um, you know, live players, I think the world rankings may just quietly drift off into the distance. But it's always nice to know who's number one anyway. I love the battle between number one and two and three and so on and so forth. What you
2: guys don't know about golf isn't worth knowing. I want to ask you, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't allow the top three or four players uh, in live who aren't already qualified to, 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 to play. The only thing I can think of is that means talks have indeed broken down. Well,
1: that's the feeling I think a lot of people get. And I mentioned this last last show, that uh, we spoke to Gavin Kirkman, and Gavin Kirkman said that everything's okay and moving reasonably well, to, to his knowledge. Uh, we spoke to him about that on the broadcast. I had heard otherwise. I had heard where talks have broken down. So, um, and I trust that person. That person would know. Anyway, um, it, it's it's like... We've got to know at some stage really, really soon, Nick, what is happening next year. Liv's schedule is still not out for next year. It's not out. So everyone's waiting around. The agreement to agree, I mean, they could have agreed on something. (laughs) (laughs) It might not have been perfect, but they could have gone, you know what? Why don't we just do, this isn't in stone. We'll do this next year let's evaluate after 12 months and we'll see you back here and we'll we'll tweak it this we'll take. if everyone's still happy we'll keep going forward but but nothing like that's even come from PGA tour headquarters or live nothing from either
0: it's an ongoing saga and I'm not sure we're going to find out anytime soon to be honest but the other thing with live was I think last year when they brought out their schedule it wasn't till probably January anyway so yeah. that's not a that's not a big factor in it. It's just mostly because the PGA Tour have just remained fairly silent on it. Maybe they've just agreed not to sue each other. Maybe that's all it is.
1: Maybe the, <laughs> that's the agreement to agree on not suing each other. That's not bad. That, that, that's, yeah, that works. That's something. At least we can all, we can all get along,
2: well, hopefully. So November 7, when do you think they're going to have to... What, what do you think the deadline might be to actually at, at well, least reveal something?
1: The PGA Tour should be telling their players something very soon because... On the table originally was that, you know, the players' council was going to be <laughs> the monitor of which players were allowed to come back. So, you know, they they would like to know at some stage.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if the deadline was first to December or December 30 for this uh, for this agreed to agreement thing. But uh, anyway, well. We'll find out soon, but anyway, life goes on and tournament play keeps going.
1: Uh, some good news regarding Australian golf. Um, Bob McIntyre coming. I, I, I love Bob McIntyre. Ryder Cup player, of course, which is great. Uh, some other announcements have been made. Some others, well, yeah, we might find them in the global, uh, the PING Global results a little bit later.
0: Um, so you like his uh, invitation rather than Michael Blocks, Mark? Or, well,
1: look, I'm, I'm happy for Michael to play, like I said. I'm happy for him to come and play (laughs) but I don't want to see Michael Block in Bob McIntyre's group and the third player being Adam Scott. I don't want to see that. I want to see Michael Block playing with Joshua Greer and Max Charles. Right? That's where I I want to see Michael Block playing. Yeah. With that group. Yeah. But not, not a TV group. But again that's not for you and I that we're not here making those decisions. But I did notice Michael Block got an invite last week and finished dead last. Mexico. Yeah, and, and finished absolutely last. So he's a nice player. You know, he shot four over for two rounds. That's okay, you know, on a course where what was the winning score, 28-under or something. <laughs> I think the cut was about
0: 6-under. Six 6-under, six <laughs> right. So,
1: so he's missed the cut by 10 shots. Um, You know, he's, not, he, he's an older guy. He hasn't played golf like all this stuff. But, yes, come down – but it's not going to be the block party, you know?
0: No. No, no that's for not. sure. But on, on, an, uh, on the home front, we've got some amazing uh, players coming, especially the Australian Open. Sarah Kemp and Gabby Ruffles just confirmed. And Beautiful. We're going to have Hannah Green, Minji Lee, Grace Kim, Steph Kuriaki. I mean, that is such a strong field on the women's side of things. And then on the men, well, then you've got Adam Scott, Cam Smith, uh, Min Woo Lee, Lucas Herbert, Cam Davis, yeah. and defending champion. Adrian Moronk.
1: Yeah, if I'm in Sydney, I'm buying tickets to go and see all of those players play. And and the opportunity to see the boys and the girls, that won't come around forever, I don't think. I'm not sure. But uh, it's a good opportunity to take the kids uh, and anybody who might be curious about uh, having a look at the golf. It's a good lineup. Yeah, just It it is a beauty. I mean, all the players you're talking about there, we've been talking about them week after week after week, basically, thanks to Ping Mm. and Global Results. They've, They've had good years. So great to see him coming back. Certainly you. have. Um, we better talk about the number one golf event <laughs> in Australia. I'm excited about
2: this. The Box Hill Pro-Am. Well, you promised a, you promised a big result, uh-huh. Mark Allen. You promised that you would shoot a course record. So I'm really excited uh, for you to talk us through
1: that. No, I, I didn't get off to the best start. And uh, I was 10 shots off my prediction of 62, but that, but that's okay. You know, you've got to set your goals high, Nick. That's what you got to do. You do. If you're not setting your goals
0: high, then what hope have you got? My goal at the start of the day was to break 80, and I achieved that. It was fantastic. Well, you shot a couple under.
1: <laughs> uh, look, I'm, Dan, I'm going to get to work. I'm going to get to work, and I'm going to start practicing. And next year... I'm shooting 62. Well, doesn't. you nearly shot a birdie.
2: Uh, sorry, an eagle, rather. On, no, yeah, no, a birdie. out there. Just out, rather, there. On just the, out on, there. On the fourth. Oh stiff. Uh, and Nick was playing injured, so I, I think, given that, he,
1: he did yeah, very well. He played with seven clubs, or eight clubs, and injured. So we we, we give him a pass, Mark, and thank you. And, and mind you, he came and he spoke at lunch, and he dazzled at lunch. Look at you guys. He, he was so... <laughs> he, he dazzled at lunch, and his story gets better and better and better, My only advice to him is that he's got to somehow squeeze... There's two things he's got to squeeze in there. That, you know, when he turned pro, he was off four. Not plus four. He was off four. And the other one, you've somehow got to squeeze in there that you went to your wife and you said, let's mortgage the house so that I can play golf. (laughs) That is... I still can't get over the, the stones you must have had to just... Yeah. yeah, that was, that was unbelievable. Very understanding
0: wife, and and uh, and she was a great caddy, and we just went for it. So there you go. That's all you got to do.
2: <laughs> Did the uh, the Tiger Woods uh, beating him twice story come yeah. up? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's oh,
0: that always. It always comes up.
1: No, it's good. He just kind of he he actually now he doesn't leave with it. He bleeds that in at about uh, seven seven or eight minute mark. So he's yeah he's actually got a very nice little thing going now when he goes and does his, <laughs> he's but talking. You got,
2: you got to tell it, it'd be like going to see Bruce Springsteen and he didn't play yeah. one in the USA. That's right. You got it. You got to have it there.
1: Yeah, you would throw an orange at him.
2: If you didn't oh yeah, that.
1: he would not be able to leave the stadium. That's right. It's the same with him. Did he, you tell your uh, toaster story? Now listen you can't mention that you can't mention it you can't mention it and now we've got to take a break now I'm blushing so Nick (laughs) I'm going to go and cool down I'm going to get myself a Coca-Cola and I'm going to be full of energy on that 10th tea right. I might
0: go grab a Chardonnay then Uh Selling a little or a lot
1: Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, it's the Ox here. Right now you're listening to Talk Birdie to me with my mate Marco. And my better mate, Nick O'Hearn. If you haven't given Marco's other podcast a
2: listen yet, it's a ripper. It's called A Couple of Blokes, and it's basically Marco and I having a yak, mucking around and having a bit of fun. So when you've listened to this episode of Talk Birdie to Me, just search A Couple of Blokes, and you'll find us there. We'll be waiting for you.
1: Now, if you haven't checked out the Golf Clearance Outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know, that was a hell of a year for Golf
0: Equipment, Nick you spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course, but as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties mm. as well and plenty for both men and women. And if you're after a great prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great
1: golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online, golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty-putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like the podcast? Maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen.
1: Rightio, I've got my orange juice. I didn't get a Coca-Cola because I'm at uh, Dan Bradley's house. Uh, good on you, Dan. Thanks for the hospitality. And by the way, um, you need to put a gate in the back fence so I you know. can walk out and just have a bit of a chip and a putt on the fourth green at Box Hill Golf Club.
2: Oh, I know. Well, so when you guys are playing in the Pro-Am on, on Friday, I, yeah. I, I jumped the fence and I'm thinking, I've been thinking about yeah. putting a gate in. I've got to do
1: it. Yeah. I've got to do it. Well, I know people at Box Hill, so if you, if I, can, I can make it happen for you. Well, they'll pay for the gate. No, they'll allow you to put a gate. In the fence. I wasn't going to ask. This one. <laughs> I was just going to do it. Uh, and Nick O'Hearn, of course, is uh, close to Cathedral uh, in a mansion up there. Um, how's the moat looking in that house at the moment? You got got rid of that, all the alligators out the front, have you?
0: No, just a lot of grass to mow at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you,
2: me. You know the thing—we're missing the headline here with where Nick is, and I don't think you're aware of this, Mark. He's, yeah. he's not sitting in a palatial big lounge room with a lovely view. Nick, can you tell us what room of the house you're doing this podcast from?
0: <laughs> I'm sitting in my Bedroom actually, because uh, she was on a zoom herself, and um, yeah, I'm sitting on the floor and doing it in style.
2: So, he, so his daughter's got the table in the lounge room with a zoom, yeah, probably a couple of mates, and Nick's been banished to the bedroom. Oh, yeah, uh,
1: hey, too good.
0: I, I live with three females, so I'm done. Okay. <laughs>
2: Okay, lots of feedback this week, guys. Uh, disappointingly, though, no wax this week, which because oh. which I, I always like Yeah, I know you do. It's good. Yeah, it is okay. good. And, and we've got a lot of questions today for you guys, okay. so I hope you got your, uh, your thinking yeah, caps on. Yeah, let's go. First of all, this one from Bruce Scott. Bruce has said, question for you gents, where are your eyes focused when you're playing bunker shots? What's your mental trigger tied to
1: and where you are looking at? Ooh, good one. Um, this one's a bit, I always tell people um, uh, in, in this situation, it's a bit like when you going for a long drive so you're not watching the road like a hawk but you're just kind of looking out the front windscreen and i think that's what you do with all golf shots you know this is just my view i think you can get stuck on watching a point i think it makes you tense i think you have kind of what i call i call it, turn them lazy eyes so you're kind of looking down there but there's no um aggravation there's it's just a blank look at the ball But I think the most important thing is when you're looking at the ball is that you're trying to go underneath the ball. You've actually got to dig and go underneath the ball. So bunker shots are a little bit different from every other shot to where you're intentionally trying to hit the ball poorly with a little bit of acceleration at the bottom. That's that's That would be my advice. Nick, you?
0: Yeah, I'm a little similar in the fact that I'm not really looking at the ball. I'm kind of just looking around it in, yeah. in a soft way, hazy way, as you say, lazy eyes. I like that, actually. Um, but I actually do that for all shots, even in my backswing. I'm not really – as I take the club away, I'm almost following the club back for the first few feet. I'm not even looking at the ball. And then just before I – Start the transition, the eyes return to the ball, and away I go again. But I'm not really looking at anything very specific. I'm just seeing more of an overall yeah. um, picture of it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Dave uh, from uh, Haleyberry, I think. Hey, guys. Love the show. I listen to it every Wednesday to and from work. Now, I don't know if that means he listens to half in the morning, half at night. Maybe
1: he's got a short trip.
2: Or listen, Yeah, or listens to it twice. <laughs> who, who knows? What are the best games to play within a group of three? There's split sixes, but are there any others that are worth playing? Uh, Cheers, boys. Dave.
1: Uh, right, eh? Um <clears> yeah, Look, there, there is split sixes. It's not bad. Uh, but I used to always like Hammer. Did you ever play Hammer over in the States? Hammer was always a... A reasonable game. Well, it's hammer. Well, hammer. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I used, now, I'm kind of, you know, big note in here, but I used to play all my practice rounds with David Duval when I was on the Corn uh, Ferry Tour. Nice. Because when I when I went over there, it was called the Nike Tour back then. I had a pocket full of money because I'd been playing well, and he was the can't miss American in the tour school, which is ridiculous because of course you can miss. Anyone can miss the tour school. It's it's bloody hard, but he had signed a one million dollar contract, US dollars. Which was unheard of back in 1994 uh, with Mizuno. So he had money to spend, I had money to spend, and we used to play a hundred dollar a hole hammer. So what would happen is you you stand up on the first tee, you, you, it's a hundred bucks a hole. I would hit one out to the into the, into a fairway trap, and he'd flash one right down the middle, and he'd look at me and just make the little hand signal hammer, which meant the bet doubled. Now I can either accept the bet or he gets my hundred bucks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the brilliant part about this game is you get in that bunker and you hit your six iron to six feet, and then you look back at him and you go hammer before he hits because my two hundred dollars bet's just gone to four hundred dollars. Jeez! And of course, he looks weak as water if he doesn't accept, so he accepts, and then you know he might hit it the twenty foot. He holds it, and then he'll go hammer. Then I've got a six foot. I've got a six footer for eight hundred bucks. <laughs> so you don't start at a hundred bucks if you're playing hammer. No. But if you start at one dollar, if you start at if you start at one dollar, it's good. But gee, it used to get you ready for Thursday, and 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 he was mean. I, I, like I lost so much money playing adapt. <laughs> mm. oh. I didn't. I kind of knew who he was, but you know, my thinking was on me. I'm me. I'll be right. I'll fix this bloke. I'll fix him. But he he would take. He used to take two or three thousand off me most weeks. Jeez. The bugger.
0: Yeah, you you can actually play individual match play against the both of your opponents. That's another game that you could probably play, or individual stroke play. Yeah, but as far as three man's go, I don't know.
1: You can play hammer against the other two. You can you can do whatever you like. But yeah, that would be confusing.
0: Hmm. Anyway, yeah, a little bit.
1: Message from Jeremy
2: Bottomley. Jeremy said, "Hey team, quick question with regard to the lithium battery discussion on uh, a couple of pods ago. Yeah. Was the charging ban at the Sandbell clubs put in place prior to what happened at Easton?" or because of what happened at Easton? They're quite popular at our little country club in central Victoria.
1: Absolutely, because of what happened at Easton. What is it? Kingston Heath. uh, Everyone's got to take their lithium battery home, and Box Hill Golf Club, where we are, everyone's got to take their lithium battery home, and it's all because of the Easton Golf Club. So they, they think what happened was that, you know, in the charger, when the battery knows it's full, the charger's supposed to turn off. But if it doesn't turn off, If something goes wrong and you know the charger gets hot and it just doesn't turn off it just keeps on charging and charging and charging this thing so it's not so much the lithium battery that's the issue it's the charger that um, you know if one of the systems go wrong in that little thing um, that's when the lithium battery can explode Mm. so for people who
2: maybe missed that news that was about the eastern golf club in the arrow valley uh Mm. burning burning to the ground really yeah terrible Images, unbelievable. Mm. Tim Clark's message, just, uh, hey boys, I'm into the final of my club handicap match play event next weekend. Yeah, I'm seeking one great tip to practice this week, not for my benefit, but just so Nick
1: has a chance to tell us again how he beat Tiger twice. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Tim. Nice. Oh, you know, dear. We, we, well, I'll... We've got to start giving prizes away for the best feedback. That's a ripper, that one. And do. I'm going to put it on Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet. That we give away one of those thirteen dollar gloves every week oh, to yeah. the bet. I'll, I'll see what I can do, but that'd be great because yeah. Yeah. we, we oh. should have, we should have a prize for best question or best um, uh, best rip of the piss, best rip of the piss, whatever it might be. <laughs> we
2: need we need something. So Tim's us. after one tip, uh, and uh, Nick, you're probably the man.
0: Uh, I'll give him very one simple and easy tip, and it's very very obvious. And the strategy, you know, I'll talk about Tiger that I went in against him was to get ahead early. Very simple. Be ready from the first tee. That's a real key in match play. I think a lot of people try and ease their way in, but if you can try and win that first hole, get the lead early, all of a sudden your opponent's on the back foot. So preparation-wise, before you reach the first tee, make sure you're fully engaged, fully locked in and ready to go. Don't try and ease your way into the match. So there's the tip for Tim, and I hope it works. Get that lead and stay ahead. It's funny you say that. It worked for me. I reckon
1: you're right. I reckon a lot of people, you know, they're nervous on the first tee and they're counting on actually getting rid of those nerves after about three holes. You're spot on. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely spot on. You should be ready to go. Oh, yeah. You want to just bash this bloke, whoever you're playing, on the first hole. Let's go. I
0: always remember shaking whoever's hand I was playing and I'm saying, hey, good luck today. But internally, I'm saying, mate, I'm going to crush you. Yeah, there
2: you go. Good advice. I like it. Speaking of Tiger, that video that I think it was you, Mark, shared of Charlie Woods, his, his driving oh. action this week, like a couple of, I think it was a couple of hours ago on the WhatsApp oh. group.
1: Amazing. Um, it, it's now getting stupid how good his golf swing is. And I'll put it to you this way. It's a cross between Tiger's and Rory M- McIlroy's golf swing. Mm. It, I, I, I feel like it's Tiger's backswing. Downswing, probably impact, but it's Rory's follow through. Yeah, it's just incredible <laughs> how good it is. So, so it's in your top five now, Mark. Yeah, it's, it'd be in one of my top five best swings somewhere.
2: And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he fourteen or something?
1: 14. Jeez. He's 14 years old.
2: That's outrageous. Now, yeah. you mentioned uh, the Golf Clearance Outlet a second ago, Mark. Uh, a yeah. message here from Brad Newson. Uh, Brad said, which club did you guys recommend from the Golf Clearance Outlet in last week's podcast? Well,
1: um, we tried, I, I tried them on when I was in there, and they're as good as anything you'll buy. Anything. Uh, but they are 13 bucks, So, uh, you can get three for $39. That's the deal. Cabretta leather. The Pro FX Cabretta leather leather glove it is a beauty i mean i i use footjoy gloves and i love them and they fit my hands so well and they last and they're great mm, so do but i if you're looking for a cheaper option this is it there you go brett yep.
2: a message here from well actually it doesn't say who it's from but the <laughs> the name on the twitter account is asset recovery services it's very formal isn't it yeah now, Asset Recovery Services <laughs> yes. has said, "Hey, Marco, it was a bit sad to watch Andrew Kelly today playing without a." caddy wrote this a couple of days yeah. ago, playing without a caddy. You mentioned earlier on in a, po- a couple of podcasts ago that a good caddy is worth three shots around, and that's exactly the number he needed.
1: Yeah, uh, and three shots. I think I said three shots in the rain. Mm. So that's just the rain. It might be four shots altogether. You know, I I really think just particularly in the round on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You know, you've already played probably a pro-am. You've already played maybe a practice round. You get set Saturday, Sunday. It's your fifth round of golf for the week. You might have played three weeks beforehand, you know, the last three tournaments. You're starting to get sore. That, that caddy is so important. And Andrew Kelly, you know, when we saw him in the rain... He's a big, tall guy too. He's six foot six. He had the umbrella holder, which is nice to have if you're by yourself in the rain. <laughs> it's probably, in fact, if if it's raining and you don't have a caddy, you've just got to have an umbrella holder on your buggy, otherwise you, you really are pushing stuff up the shit creek.
0: I mean, when you're playing well, it's all well and good, but when you're not playing well, like he was and struggling, that's when you need someone to talk to and bounce ideas off, and really just to calm you down. And unfortunately, if they're not there, well, yeah. it makes it hard. And well, we saw Mickeluzzi have his caddy on the bag, obviously. And uh, and he almost ended up uh, yep. winning, well, going into a playoff, but we'll talk about that a bit later. But, um, yeah, Phoenix, it was fascinating.
1: Phoenix Campbell had a caddy. You know, he had a caddy all four days. I mean, you know, the, to mm. actually start, <laughs> he went at nine under without a playoff, and the bloke leading was 12 under. And it was the best mm. day to score of the week. So sometimes you just fall into your first win, Phoenix Campbell will look back on his life, and we'll get to it a little bit in the in the, um, the Ping global results of the tick, but my God, what a way to win your first tournament. Just to play four sure under the last six and just fall into a win like that was remarkable.
2: Now, we've got a message here from Chris Payne pertaining to the 1996 Australian Open results. If you want to grab that bit of paper oh, uh, yes. in front of you there, Mark and, yeah. and, and Nick. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the, the comment of the question from Chris. Chris has said, Hey, Mark and Nick, great podcast, really enjoyable. Mark, please see the following pick. That's that one right there. Yeah, It's the scoreboard of the 96 Australian Open, and we'll post this on socials, yeah. at the Aussie. Yeah. I marshaled at the course. The conditions were brutal. Not too often in World Golf you see a final leaderboard where only the winner shot under par. It's a testament to how good Norman Norman was playing that week. I'd like to know what the toughest Australian Open courses or conditions you and Nick have ever played in.
1: Well, the Australian's always hard, isn't it? I mean, I'm looking at the scores here. Norman uh, shot uh, 280, and Wayne Grady was at even par at 288. Mm. Have a look at some of the players, though, will you? David Schmale, we spoke about him on the weekend. He's there. Yeah. Um, O'Malley. Claus Eriksson. Haven't seen that name in a while. Tiger Woods. Paul McGinley. Grant Waite. We spoke about. We speak about Grant Waite a lot. Peter Lonnard. Anthony Painter. Uh, Terry Price is up there. Uh, Steve Elka, where are you? Oh, I didn't play this one. Peter Senior's there. Oh, you didn't play it? We played I, this one, Marco. Okay. Where did I finish? 39th, tied for 39th. Oh, there you
0: are.
1: Tied 39th. Oh, that's not bad for me. Um, yeah, some amazing plays. But hang on. You sh- Jeff Ogilvie was there. You shot 75 78, and that made the cut. Correct. Yeah. Oh. 75 78 made the cut. So what's that? Uh, 1 over? 7 over. It was a oh, 7 over. over cut. Do you want to do Played a okay card okay. of the weekend. Played, played 70, 73, 74 on the weekend was pretty good. I, mo- I would have moved up a lot. Do you remember the conditions? Yeah, it was rotten. Yeah, absolutely rotten. And that That's the first tournament that Tiger Woods played outside of America as a professional. So he turned pro late in 1996 and came down to Australia. And I remember the first day, the first day was like the coldest day, or maybe it was the Maybe it was a Friday. It was the coldest day in Sydney's history for in November. It was like eight degrees. Was, that was its top. So it was, it was just ridiculous. The course was playing hard. Um, and I played right behind Tiger Woods in the first two rounds. And I think we're on the same score. Have a look at the score. What did we do? What did Tiger shoot the first two days? Tiger shot 79-72, 151, same as me. So we're on the same score after two rounds. We both just made the cut. And I thought, well, I'm playing behind him. I know I'm going to be playing with him. And I I wasn't. Same thing happened at the Johnny Walker Classic uh, not long after. (laughs) We both made the cut um, on the number. I was playing in front of him this time because he almost hit me on the blue canyon hole. He actually drove it and it landed right next to me. Um, This time, we're all staying close. I went down and counted. So I know that I'm playing with Tiger. On Saturday, yeah, and I'm thinking this is so good. You know, some people have said they played with Ben Hogan or Sam Snead or whatever. Oh, I'm going to be able to say I played with Tiger Woods. I called up, you know, eight thirty when it's all done. Called them up, fully expecting Mark Allen, Tiger Woods, blah blah blah. blah. And I wasn't with Tiger. I said, "Who's playing with Tiger?" They said Colin Montgomery. Oh. <laughs> I felt I felt ill. They fiddled with the books. Oh. They fiddled with the books in <laughs> Thailand. And I got ripped again. That is too good, hey, Mark. At least I didn't
0: put you. At least I didn't put you with Monty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Nick, what about the worst conditions uh, you've ever played in? Uh, you know, further to the, the, the question from Chris, is do you remember what the, the worst would be?
0: Oh, uh, it would have been Adelaide. Yeah, the Royal Adelaide. I think the cut was about uh, 11 over par. Uh, I almost missed my tee time. the the first two days, actually. I got to the tee 10 minutes before on the first day and five minutes before on the second day because of uh, traffic accidents where I was staying out in the hills there. But um, yeah, it was a brutally tough golf course that that year. I remember I think I made the cut by one shot or something like that or two shots and uh, ended up shooting 71 on the Saturday and I went from about 58th to the top 10. It was crazy how hard it was. So Greg Chalmers ended up winning. I think he was level or one over par.
1: Yeah, I think he was I think he might have been level. He was level everybody else. Yeah. I think he beat Feldo by one and Feldo was plus one. So tough. some of the Australian open setups I but I think that year in nineteen ninety six it was more for the weather. The weather was a disgrace.
0: Mm. Yeah. That was also the year you talk about Faldo. I think he was on the range hitting balls and Norman Von Neider came along right. to watch him hit balls. And at this stage, Norman was basically legally blind. He couldn't see where the ball was going, but he yeah. would stand there and tell Nick, you hit that one right, you hit that one left just by the sound. And Faldo couldn't believe it. Yeah. He just saying, how can this guy tell where I'm hitting it? That's but right. Norman just had such a gift for that.
1: Hey, just just on Norman von Nida, I got to play with Norman von Nida at Huntingdale. So it was myself and Richard Did Green. You really? Yeah, Richard Green and I. Oh. We only played three holes because he was blind. Right? But David Haynes, now David Haynes just passed away recently. He was one of Australia's richest people. So he had all the Kingston Town horses and all that sort of stuff. And he always looked after Norman von Nida in his old years, which was great. So he brought him down. Richard Green and I yeah, you know, he said, come on down. I want you to play with Norman night. We're just going to play three holes. So Norman turns up, he's using yellow balls, but on his iron faces and wood faces, the sweet spot wasn't painted, but the heel and the toe was painted yellow. So he could just put, he, he, he could actually match up the ball. Anyway, we play 10, 11, 12. He's hitting a bunker in 12. Now I'd always heard how good a bunker player Norman Von Neider was. So I get down there. He's using these yellow pinnacles. He's got the toughest shot you've ever seen. And I said, Norman, I've heard so much about your bunker play. This is, I want to see, show me what you got. And it was a really hard shot. And the pins at Huntingdale back in those days were these old iron things. And he hit the softest, fluffiest shot off a tight lie. It landed two foot over the lip and it rolled and it hit this iron pole and didn't go in. <laughs> And he, he, he looked up with the biggest smile on his face and he goes, I heard that. <laughs> he couldn't see where the ball was but he knew he hit the he hit the stick. And, and Greeny and I, Richard Green and I, we just couldn't believe what we had just seen. A blind man uh-huh. hit the hole. Incredible. And yeah, you know, the ball just stayed on the front edge. Incredible. That yeah, is impressive. Uh, just a little bit more feedback before we uh,
2: move on to the Ping Global Results. A lot of feedback on the Box Hill Pro-Am boys. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and...
1: Okay. Pretty much all on one theme. What do you think it could have been? Uh, Nick Nick shooting two unders. Nick, Nick score. I don't know. It could have been
0: Mark's attire from what I saw. Ah, interesting. Well, oh,
1: here we go. I thought I was dressed
2: nicely. Jared has said, was the power out when Mark got dressed this morning? <laughs> what? Legend of Sunshine has said, that jumper is total flog apparel. What? Johnny Dapperci has said, this is the Ray Mack effect. <laughs>
1: Oh, yes. There's, there's a
2: bit of Ray Mack in that jumper. I'll give him that.
0: Johnny Dappache, yeah. I played with a bit of golf with him down at the National. Great guy.
2: Yeah. Evan Gale has said he looks like one of those white post markers on the side of the road with the red reflective
1: sticker. What are, they, what, what are people talking about, oh, mate? Oh, hang on, I more. look like I've just walked out of a Gazman pamphlet, mate. It's a Gazman top, Gazman pants, nice cream pants, white foot joys. FootJoy shirt. No one's talking I about the a shirt. at million dollars.
2: No one's talking about the shirt or the pants or the shoes.
0: Hey, hey Mark, I, I thought you looked. I thought you looked very stylish, but I knew we, you might cop a little bit of flak.
1: <laughs> it's not like orange, like you know, like the workmen on the street wear orange. It was just a nice burnt orange. Well, he, here's
2: one from Peter Brook. This will make you happy. Peter Brook has said, "I love the jumper, Mark." Okay. Thank you. But then he's put a laughing emoji next to it. Oh, put a muggle! Thank and you. Cam has said, "Geez, he's got a fair bit of swagger about him with his remote control buggy." Yeah. Oh. But I think the last, I think, I think the last word on the jumper goes to, and I think this person probably counts yeah. more importantly than anyone because this person is a lady. Okay. Now women know a lot more about fashion than blokes. Oh, I agree. And this is from Joe Lawson. Joe has said, "I like it. Simple, and sweet, lovely. I love you, Joe." So there you Thank go. Thank you. Well <laughs> done, Joe. Final bit of feedback here, guys. This is uh, in response to a video that we put on social. This comes from Troy. We put the video on social, and, uh, and Troy said, Hey, gents, it'd be great to get your thoughts on this putting grip that seems to be coming popular. Is it new, is it old, or is it back in vogue? No,
1: nah, I had a good look at this video. I'd never seen this... I'm not going to say contrived. What's, what's a good word? It's a very technical, almost... I don't know. It's almost like a, a, a trick that you play with your fingers somehow. But when the finished product, when both hands were actually on the putter grip, I thought, that looks pretty cosy. Not too bad at all. It would be Mm. quite technical doing it each time, you know, getting the fingers, right? But the finished product, if you could put your hands on it like it every time, not an issue in the world. Go for it.
0: Yeah, I've seen players, I've seen the finished product, Grip the putter head like that before. I might even have thought someone like Matt Fitzpatrick might have done it at one point or another as well. But um, I've never seen you know the way he did it, the way he was wrapping the fingers around and all of that is like uh, he's playing that church game with your fingers or whatever yeah, with the right. steeple and everything. That's like right. That. But it gets the hands working together. So I'm
2: with you. Well, that's the feedback, guys. We love getting it. So make sure you do uh, listen on the socials or uh, leave a voicemail at talkbirdismie.com.au. Now, uh, I think it's time for the Ping Global Results.
0: All right, the Ping Global Results this week. As I mentioned earlier, the PGA Tour event in Mexico, where Eric Van Royen had a win over Camilo Vijagas and Matty Kucha. I forgot, forgot to mention earlier, actually, when we're talking about Camilo Vijagas, uh, Mark, um, I remember. You know, he was unbelievable back in the day when he was on that hot streak. He had like oh. a couple of years where he was playing some incredible stuff. And they used to call him Spider-Man because yeah. he'd get down on the ground. And if you ever saw this kid, this guy work out, I mean, he was the most ripped guy on tour. But there was <laughs> there was one pairing one year. I think it was at the Honda National. Yeah. And uh, I looked at it and I thought, well, I guess I know where all the females are going to be this week because it was uh, – it was Camillo, Adam Scott, and Sergio Garcia all in one group. And you should have seen the throng of women that was following that group. It was unbelievable. Uh,
1: great, to, great to see him back in action.
0: Yeah, great win for uh, Van Royen, who secures his card, obviously. But uh, on the Aussie front, Lucas Herbert tied for 31st. Cameron Percy tied for 59th. A couple of events left for those guys. Uh, and um, Harrison Endicott, especially, who missed the cut, unfortunately, to try and get into that top 125 because they're still outside of it. Uh, on the LPGA tour, they are in Japan where 24-year-old Monet Inami won by a stroke from Sonwoo Bay from South Korea and Shiho Kuwaki. Um, You've you, you, you obviously been drinking the white wines again. to get those names
1: out so well.
0: Oh, uh, well, I used to speak a bit of Japanese, so that's not yeah. an issue for me, mate. Yeah, so that's exactly. okay. I don't, I don't. The South Korea one was tough, but yeah. this Pike's it's going down really nicely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Hannah Green tied for 40th. Sarah Kemp tied for 63rd. On the Asian Tour, the Volvo China Open. This one will be a good one. Thailand Sarit Suwanarit yeah. won by six shots of Taichi Ko and Chen Gushin from China. How yeah, good. Uh, Jack Thompson had a good week, tied for 11th. Very good for Jack. He's yeah. been playing really well on that uh, Asian Tour of late. And uh, New Zealander Ben Campbell, top 20, and Scotty Hinn tied for 25th. Now, we saw, remember the kid who lost to Jasper Stubbs at the Asian Pacific Amateur at yeah. Royal Melbourne last week. Yeah. Ding. Wenyi Deng. Yeah. He finished side for seventh wow. in that tournament. Jeez, but that's so he's a... playing some good golf, that young man. Yeah, he's a He's young. got a real future in front of him, obviously. So, very young. impressive. Uh, Brad Kennedy finished sixth uh, in the in Japan on the Mainavi ABC Championship. Won by Keita Nakajima, I wonder if he's any relation to Tommy back in the day, but anyway. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. Okay. (laughs) You're just going to call it straight up. Fair call.
1: No, no, no. I I asked the question last week and he's not. Oh,
0: you did. Okay. A couple of seniors tour results on the Champions Tour. Padraig Harrington, seven-shot win over Charlie Wee and Bernard Langer. Bernard Langer, 66 years old, second round, shot 63. Three shots better than his age. How's that? He's a freak. He's incredible. He's a freak. Yeah. Rod Pampling, best of the Aussies, tied for 14th. Stuart Appleby and Steve Walker tied for 25th. They've got one more event until they do the massive payout of the Charles Schwab Cup. where All the money's going to Steve Stricker anyway. He's uh, He's got that sewed up. Uh, on the Legends Tour in Spain, Patrick Scholand won. Michael Long had a good result, tied for six there. Best of the, amongst the Australasians. And then on the local front, actually, while we're still in Europe, let's go over there. We had the Q School. By the way, second yeah. stage of the Deep World Tour Q School, where a couple of Aussies have advanced: Andre Law T and Matias Sanchez. Andre's a Kingston Heath member, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I saw a picture of his yep. uh, third round. He had three eagles in his third round, one being a hole-in-one. So he had a wow. He had a hole-in-one. He had a two on a par four and a three on a par five. Oh my gosh, I, I that's impressive. I two think, three. Yeah, not many people. Would have had three eagles in a round, let alone one on a par three, one on a par four, and one on a par five. That
0: made it could me- be a world record, including a hole in one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. That's impressive. But Sanchez actually was in a playoff and managed to get through, which is awesome for him. So he goes through to the final stage along with Andre. So at the time of this coming out, there are still quite a few Aussies who have a bit of a chance, but we don't quite know because they've had these massive wins in Spain where it's all happening at the moment. But Connor McKinney is tied for fourth, and his his tournament uh, there, and James Marquezani's tied for 21st, so they've got a chance. Usually, it's around 20 to 25 guys go through at each uh, at each site. Hayden Hopewell, he's tied for fourth, he'll probably go through. Cade McBride tied for 29th, so we're not sure. And Blake Windred is in a playoff. Eight eight men for five spots. So wow. when the pod comes out, we should know all this anyway. But um, we'll keep an eye on those final Q School results. And then on the local front, you and I, we did the uh, television for Fox and KO, the Queensland PGA Championship at Nudgee, where Phoenix Campbell, what an amazing effort. Shot 75 the first day too. He yeah. was he was struggling to make the cut. He shot 68, 69, 67, as you mentioned earlier, Mark, four under his last six holes from the Yarra Yarra Golf Club. An incredible winner. There were seven guys tied for second. And uh, one of them was Mo- the Monday qualifier. I was really impressed with him, Jack Poutney. Yeah. Plays golf left-handed. Right-handed, just like myself, so I've got a soft spot for him already.
1: (laughs) Did you see what the prize money was for the seven guys tied at second? Because the amateur doesn't win any money, no. So they all got a share. They all got a share of the forty-five thousand dollars first prize. So it was about nineteen thousand dollars that uh, the seven players all picked up. So not not too bad.
0: Yeah, it worked out pretty good. Basically, they split prize money from one through seven. So uh, that worked out well. It was. The start of the week, it was all about the amateurs turning pro. You had Kazuma Kabori. He was the best of those guys. He finished tied for ninth. Uh, Jeffrey Guan and Jack Buchanan unfortunately missed the cut, but your guy Max Charles did make the cut. Uh, finished sort of towards the back of the field, but um,
1: had a bad last day, Maxie. He'll be right. Had a bad last day, Max. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's actually Andrew Kelly. He's actually going to play Maxie, and and I think it's the same with all those boys. So it's a big thank you to Golf Australia and and the PGA. He's going to play in the Super Six as a pro. He's going to play in the Victorian PGA as a pro and one other as a pro. So just amazing how they can set those boys up um, with some Mm. great starts as a professional golfer. It's a a big leg up.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, It's great to get them invitations into all these events. But uh, the the third-round leader, Andrew Kelly, unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, had a bit of a bad last day. I'm going to do my masterclass on him actually later because it was fascinating with the way he – was stepping uh, as he was yeah. setting up to the ball. Uh, one last thing on that tournament, though, which was really cool to see, Michael Hendry was back because he was diagnosed with leukaemia back in April, and it's um, uh, great to see him back. He actually shot 77-68 to make the cut, so that's yeah. really impressive to make the cut after everything he's gone through. And um,
1: John Zendon hasn't been feeling so flashy either uh, of late, and he did play. He didn't make the cut, Zendo, uh, but we know what he's going through, and... You know, mm. obviously everyone's behind him. We, want, we, we love that man. He's a, he's a very, very nice person, and we wish him the best with what, uh, with what he's going through.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, But it was uh, a great week of golf. More coming up this week, obviously, but that's the wrap-up for the Ping Global Results. And now,
1: listen, you've left out one very important tournament, and that is the Gorilla Ladders Box Hill Pro-Am, and so sh- oh, my, sh- shame my on apologies. you. my apologies. Shame on you, Conrad Kupec was the man who shot four on the par 67 at Box Hill and took the chocolates. Ah, well done. Shame on you. It's time for this week's Top 5. You're doing the masterclass on Andrew Kelly. I'm doing the Top 5 on Andrew Kelly because he did have a very (laughs) unusual way of starting his golf swing. So, I've gone back... And this week's top five is the most unusual starts to golf swings in the history of the game, as far as I can tell anyway. At number five, the chairman of the Australian PGA, the current chairman, Roger Davis. He had the biggest forward press and right leg press in the history of golf. It was so big. And I remember when I was a kid, by the way, I remember I used to go down to Huntingdale when the Masters were played, and back in the days where uh, Roger would hit to his caddy and the caddy would fox the balls, his caddy didn't move. No. it was be, Behind Roger Davis, it was like a trance. He would be hitting full four irons and the caddy would not move. And it's like that big forward press would just start the motion, you know, the perpetual motion, and he would just look Mm -hmm. up at the right time and react to the ball. It was a a really good way of doing it.
0: Well, the other thing, his pre-shot routine, I always love with Roger, you know, because back in the day, he used to have a bit of a cigarette and he'd give it the the flick of the cigarette to the side before he'd walk (laughs) into the ball.
1: The guy had his name on his socks, for goodness sakes, in the diamonds, said Roger Davis in the diamonds on his socks. Unbelievable in the plus fours incredible. Uh, number four, Andrew Kelly. I've never seen anything like that from last week. I've seen it on the practice range. I've seen it in warm-ups, but I've never seen a player step, 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 take the club back and do one more step. So uh, I've put, he's made number four. Uh, the reigning Australian Open champion, Adrian Moronk. He tricks you every time. It looks like he he's does. making, it looks like he's about to hit the ball. He makes a full backswing and stops. And no matter how many times you see it, you're never ready for it. So Adrian Moronk's in there. This one uh, might surprise you. Mo Norman. Mo Norman started the club 12 inches behind the ball. He didn't put the club behind the ball. And the reason he did that was because he thought that the first 12 inches of the golf swing is the most important. So why risk it? Just put the club 12 inches back, <laughs> put the club 12 inches back and you've nailed it, which in a really stupid way makes sense. Um, but the number one, and this was so annoying at the time, and thank God he fixed it. And I'll tell you how he fixed it. Sergio Garcia, when he was re-gripping the club in the 90s, he would do it uh, 25 yes. times, I reckon was the record, 25 regrips. He'd just keep on milking the grip. And the way he beat it, because it was, a, it was he ended up learning to when he was waggling to look at the target. What he was doing wrong, he was doing his waggles and looking at the ball. And then he'd stop and he'd go, oh, where's the target? Because, you know, all sports people, they react to the target. So he would waggle, put the club down, and then look at the hole. And then he'd come back and he couldn't start from a still spot. So he'd waggle again or milk the club. They went round, and round, round. Finally, he learnt to waggle while he was looking at the target and it fixed it overnight. Amazing. Beautiful. It's time for this week's Masterclass.
0: All right, and in honour of our third round leader at the Queensland PGA, Andrew Kelly, we spoke quite a bit about it over the coverage and you couldn't believe it when I first pointed it out, no, Mark. I said, what's this guy's footwork? Shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. It was fascinating. But basically, he was stepping about all over the place. And even on right at the, just before he got to the top of the backswing, also the left foot would step up as well. I've seen Padraig Harrington do this a little bit. And Andrew, Andrew actually mentioned, I think, on the Saturday to Ryan Lynch that he was doing it when uh, during the COVID lockdowns to try and get a bit more distance out of it. So he's feeling as though... He's, stepping into the ball, trying to be a bit more powerful, a bit like uh, Bryson DeChambeau was working on uh, quite a while ago as well. But I I think there's a really good drill that you can do, which I'll put out on uh, socials a bit later. But what you do is you start with your feet together as you set up to an iron or yeah, probably with an iron, I would say more like a five or a seven iron rather than the driver. You can do it with the driver, but I think it's better with the irons. And this is all about trying to sequence the swing, get the timing, and also the transition where you want to get your weight going towards the target on that follow-through. But what you do is you have your feet together, and as you take your backswing, you take a small step to your right as a right-handed golfer. And as you get to the top of the backswing, you take a small step with your left foot. So basically, you end up being in a nice wide stance as you normally would for an iron shot. If we start with the feet together, backswing, make a small step to the right with your right foot, downswing, small step to the left, hit the golf ball, do this on the range, not on the golf course. But what you'll find is it will make this swing very athletic. And that's Mm. what I really love about doing this drill. It makes you feel like an athlete. You feel as though you're moving around a bit. One of the things I do in my golf swing as I'm over the ball is I'm always moving, actually. It's like a bit of a dance, and I've got this long waggle and things like that. That's just me. I'm not a big fan of people being very, very stationary over Mm. the ball and having the club head still behind the ball i love people who waggle and move around a bit so this is a good little sort of starter drill for that type of emotion as well so uh, it'll promote athleticism it'll help the hand-eye coordination because it does take a bit to try and get the ball solidly every time doing it but the other thing it'll help is that transition from the top of your backswing into the downswing, through the ball, you really feel as though you're compressing that ball and getting all the weight shifting towards your target.
1: I've never done it, but I can feel it in my mind that that would be a really Mm. good thing to do. Well, you know what
0: I'm going to do? I'm going to head out to Cathedral this afternoon and I'm going to get Alana, the best videographer there is, and I'll say, (laughs) Alana, and you film me doing this little drill and uh, we'll pop it on the socials later.
1: Good on you. Enjoy yourself up there. Uh, Nice to speak with you every week and we'll catch you next time. All right.
0: Great stuff. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to
2: Nico O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. And if you're looking for some new gear, Ping is absolute top class. Ping help you play your best. Contact your local golf shop or professional and they'll sort you out. And the Golf Clearance Outlet, who beat everyone's prices. They're in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth and online at golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. I've got a favour to ask wherever you listen. If you get a chance to rate and review the pod, that would be fantastic. And if you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. Talk Birdies and his executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media and sound design is by Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com.